Keep moving. All right, let's take our Bibles. One hand go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then the other hand go to Philippians chapter number 4. While you're doing that, I just want to mention the last time I preached, you know, my, my sermon was a bit political, to say the least. I know some of you feel that that's not appropriate. Uh, I would just, you know, my, I'm, I'm sympathetic to your, your feelings. I'm not hard, hard on them. But I would just say that the Bible is filled with politics. Uh, today's message will not be political. Uh, that will relieve some of you. Uh, but I had mentioned during my message last week, that, or last time, that, um, that during the Revolutionary War, there were a lot of sermons preached on you know, the, the political uh, climate of the day. And uh, Brother Ted Williams brought this book into me called Political Sermons of the American Founding Era, 1730 to 1805. Look at that thing. 1,600 pages of politically charged sermons from the founding era of our country. So uh, it's, me doing it is not, the, it's not new, <laughs> to say the least. All right. Well, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to preach today and I hope that I can be an encouragement to you. I really do want to be an encouragement. Uh, it's probable that some of the things I say today are going to offend some of you. Uh, it's probably going to make some of you, you know, say ho-hum, and others will be encouraged. And that's probably the way it is in every single sermon, so I probably didn't even need to say that. But uh, I want to show you a verse here in chapter 4 of Philippians to begin, and then we're going to spend most of our time in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. But this verse is so powerful, and it's so familiar to us, and sometimes with that familiarity, we don't appreciate what it's saying. But every word of God is pure. Do you believe that? Every word of God is pure? Okay. Not just every verse, but every single word. We all agree, that, agree with that, right? Okay. So in verse 13, we all know it. We can quote it without looking, but look what it says. Okay. Would you say it with me? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Let's say it again. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, I want to cut that verse in half, and I would like you to repeat after me as I quote it, okay? And I'm going to slow it down just a little bit for emphasis, okay? As I say the word, I want you to say it. Would you do that for me? Okay, ready? I can do all things. Do you believe that? you believe that you can do all things? Does your life show that? Does your life show other people? Do you, do you look in the mirror and say, I can do all things? Yes, I know it's through Christ. I know what it says. I'm asking you if you believe you can do all things. Because that's what it says, right? That's what you just said out of your mouth. You can do all things. Do you believe that? I want to challenge you to believe that today. That's my goal today. I want to preach for a little while this morning on how to accomplish impossible goals. I want to preach on how to reconnect with your dreams this morning. But first, let's pray. Lord, this is a wonderful time to get in your word, and I pray that you will bless it, Lord. I pray that your name will be uplifted. I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross and use me as just a vessel. Speak through me through your word, Lord. We so appreciate the word of God and the scriptures, and how they transform lives, and how relevant they are to even today in 2020. So, Father, get the glory from all that's said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Every single one of us was born with big dreams, and big goals, and big ideas. Big dreams, big goals, and big ideas. Just remember back for a moment 
What did you want to be when you were growing up? What did you say? When I grow up, I'm going to be. For me, it was like, I want to be a fireman for only a little while. Then I wanted to be, get this, I wanted to be a paleontologist. Okay, I couldn't even say the word back then. But I just loved dinosaurs and I wanted to be a paleontologist. Okay, That was what I wanted to do. Every one of you, at some point when you were young, you wanted to do something. You were like, I, I really want to do this thing. I want to be this. What did you innocently dream about doing? What happened? Are you living that dream right now? I mean, i got to go out on a limb here and say that probably most of us in here, if not all of us, are not doing what we said when we were little kids, okay? And that's okay, okay? When, you know, when you're young, you don't have full knowledge of what's going to happen in life and the direction you want to go. But how many of us have taken those dreams and shelved them? You see, somewhere along the way, something happened, didn't it? Something happened. Here's what happened. Life punched you hard. And it punched you again. And again. And again. And after a while, all that punching took its toll and you finally gave up on reaching your dreams and goals. For some of you, the hurt is so strong that you won't even... You won't even allow yourself to think back to your childhood. That's how strong the hurt is in some of you. Life does not look like you imagined it to be. For some of you, not even close. And you've settled for way below even second best. You're just existing. And some of you have even justified it and soothed your wrecked emotions by chalking it up to God's will. You've told yourself, dreams and great achievements are for children or privileged people. They're not for me. They're not for me. Some of you even have an Eeyore complex. You know what I mean by an Eeyore complex? You know, you know who Eeyore is, okay? He's the ever sad and self-condemning donkey from Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore, you know? Woe is me. I always fail. I always fall short. My life is bad luck. That's Eeyore. Is that you? Is that you this morning? Is that your life, okay? You, you might not think so, but can I ask the people who are around you, does this person have an Eeyore complex? Are they always saying, woe is me? Do they always have a frown on their face? They always have a sad countenance? You might not think so, but people around you will tell the story. Is that you? If it is, can I give you some gentle words of encouragement? Stop it! (laughs) Stop it! What if your life is simply the sum of your personal choices? What if your life is the sum of your personal choices? Don't blame God for that. That's on you. Now, we don't like that, okay? But we let ourselves off the hook way too easy all the time. Our shortcomings and failures are always someone else's fault. No, they're not. No, they are not. And the sooner you acknowledge that, the sooner you'll break free and accomplish what were previously impossible goals. Why? Because I can do all things. And if you say you can't, you don't believe the Bible. You get one life, one 
And if you're on the right side of the grave, you still have time to accomplish great things. I'm glad that we are all on the right side of the grave right now. Your problem is that you don't believe in yourself. You've fallen short so many times you've given up. Henry Ford said this, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Let me say that again. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. How can you be both? Because whatever you think about is going to come to pass. Some of you don't think you can ever win again. You'll never achieve again. So you never will. You won't. Even if you could, if you made the effort. You won't because you yourself are holding it back. You don't believe. You said out of your own mouth that you could do all things. I tricked you. (laughs) I can do all things. Do you believe that? I ask you again. So what will it take to win again? I hope I've inspired just a little bit in the short amount of time I've been speaking to to, to make you think, you know what, I can do this. I could perhaps reach the goals I've wanted to reach. I could perhaps fulfill some of the dreams I had. Some of you put them so far away, you don't even think about them anymore. I want to encourage you to bring them back. Because I can do all things through Christ. So what will it take To win again, what will it take to see your dreams fulfilled? What will it take to do the impossible? I'm going to tell you what it will take. You're going to have to you're going to have to go on a killing spree. And the sooner the better. You're going to have to go on a killing spree. Someone's going to take this video and clip that out and put it like on the internet somewhere and I'm going to get arrested, right? Go to 1 Samuel 17. If you want to reach your dreams again, you're going to have to go on a killing spree. There's no two ways about it. I want to talk this morning, or at least for the rest of the service, on giants. I want to talk about giants and three obstacles to the new you. Because that's what we're going for today, the new you. Okay? Not the person who walked in here all defeated, who can't achieve, who constantly underachieves, who constantly berates themselves. Okay? No one is your biggest critic outside of you. I want that person to be different when they walk out the door today. In chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, we have the, the very well-known story of David and Goliath. Okay? This has been preached Thousands and thousands of times, okay? This will be my twist on it. And uh, it's an incredible chapter. I've just gone over and over it and over it. And every time I do, I find something new. But we're not going to read the whole chapter. I had thought about doing that, but it's over 50 verses. And so that would take the whole rest of the message. But you know what happens, all right? David is told by his father to go take some food to the army of Israel's Israelites, the Israeli army, and the Philistines are setting the battle in array. They're going to fight with one another, and, and David's brothers are in the battle. All right. So his father obviously wants to know how things are going. They didn't have you know, Fox News back then. They didn't have cell phones. They could text, and, hey, you know, uh, Eli, I've got shot. They didn't have anything like that, okay? Uh, they had to get a news report, you know, Firsthand, And so he, he gave David a bunch of food, said, go to the camp, find out how your brothers are doing, and that's where we pick it up. 
Um, and by the way, in verse 20, it says that after he got that, that message from his father, it says, and David rose up early in the morning. All right. And I'm just going to throw this little thing out here. This is kind of a little bunny trail. If God gives you a directive, get up early in the morning. All right. Be an early riser. Listen, I've spent a lot of time in the last year reading after and listening to people who have achieved great things in this world. Be it wealth, you know, fame, wealth, whatever. You know, you know what one trait they have? I'm not talking, they may not even be Christians, but they all have one thing in common. They get up early. That's interesting. Could that just be a coincidence? I don't think so, folks. Here, David is given a directive from his father. Go to the battle and find out what's going on. And he got up early. Get out of bed. I like to listen to this Navy SEAL named Jocko Willink. Some of you have ever, you know, you've heard of him maybe. He's a, more of a motivational speaker now, but he was a SEAL. He's a, he looks like one. He's got a big, you know, thick, almost no neck, you know, big jaw. You know, he's, and, he, and he's got this little audio I put on the, I, I, I play the um, Alexa thing. I, I got one of those little dots, right? It's in my room. I said, Alexa, play Jocko Willink. And he comes on, are you laying in bed right now? I'm giving you 10 seconds to get out of bed. 10, 9, 8. I'm like, man. (laughs) Then he says at the end, are you out of bed? If you are, you can turn this off. But for the rest of you, he just, get out of bed, man. I was out of bed. But uh, David got up early, folks. If you you want to accomplish uh, great things in life, you want to do the impossible, you got to get out of bed. You've got to capture the morning. You've got to rule your mornings, okay? It's not even in my message. You've got to rule your mornings. It's very important. Let's start in verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David Heard them. Uh oh. David heard them. I love that statement. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I want to believe that when that happened, that all the guys in the army looked at him and said, um, have you seen how big he is? Did you, did you not see him, David? Did you not see? David didn't care. What's going to be given to the guy that kills that man? It takes the reproach away. He didn't see his size. That's interesting. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Little boy, that's what he's saying to him. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You just want to see a bunch of bloodshed, you little boy. Go home with your sheep. That's what he's saying. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? (laughs) And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. Is there not a cause? And the people answered him again after the former manner. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's a cause, but no one's got enough courage to go. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, this is incredible. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Look at verse 37. And David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. We'll pick it up in verse 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the, men, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou camest out to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, <laughs> I love this, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. And take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And I think he said it with just that same intensity. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the enemy to meet the Philistine. He was really not afraid. He ran at that guy. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell down upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran. And stood upon the Philistine, got upon his body, took his sword, and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. You don't see this in the stories in the Sunday school <laughs> with the kids <clears throat> in children's church. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Shereim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. Woo! That just fire you up reading it right there. I can do all things. David said, I will smite thee. Look what happened. And look at the result. They all shouted. What obstacles were in the way for David before he got to that victory? First, we should note that David was sent on a mission by his father. 
right? By his father. He was told to go to the battlefield and bring back an account of what he saw. When your father sends you somewhere, you've got a purpose, folks. You've got an assignment. Nothing should hinder you from accomplishing that which your father has given you to do. David obeyed. David obeyed. But it wasn't long before he experienced some obstacles. He faced some challenges as he was doing the will of his father. Imagine that. God sends you on an errand, and you face some challenges. Wow, amazing, right? The first giant, if you will, was in the form of his family. His family? Yes, his family. Look at verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride. Look what he accuses him of. I know thy pride. And the naughtiness of thine heart, thou art come down this, thou mightest see the battle. David showed up with a conquering spirit. He showed up with a conquering spirit that Eliab didn't have. None of the men in the army did, did they? So I think Eliab was embarrassed. Wouldn't you be if your youngest brother showed up? You're the oldest, right? You're supposed to set the example of courage and bravery, and he shows up, family member shows up, and you're not performing. You're sitting there on the ground like everybody else, afraid of this guy. He was embarrassed, all right? He was embarrassed by the audacity of his little brother. He called David prideful, which was not true. Was David prideful? Not at all. Okay? The lesson is this. Sometimes the criticism uh, of what you are called to do by God, God sends you on an errand. He, he puts something in your heart to accomplish. The criticism will come from those who claim to care about you the most. Okay, Family. Your very family might criticize you. They will not see your confidence as you do to accomplish great goals. They will see it as pride and tell you so. You can't do this, David. Go home with the sheep. You know, that hurts. But what should David do in that situation? Well, who sent him? His father. <laughs> who sent him? His father. He has a mission. Who is his loyalty to, therefore? His father. So here's another lesson. Live, live for the audience of one. Live for the audience of one. God is ultimately all who matters. Right? Okay? I'm not saying adopt an attitude of, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I, I, think that's, I, I don't think we should do that. I think that's extreme. But at the end of the day, the only, the only opinion you should care about is God's. Live for the audience of one. But if you do that, you're going to get criticized. I'll guarantee it. How did David respond to Eliab? Well, he responded to him with reason and logic, didn't he? Verse 29, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? You got this guy screaming at you, challenging you, defying your God? Is there not a cause? The answer is yes, there was, right? But it is worthy of note that David wasn't overly harsh to his family. He could have gone right after his brother. He didn't. He didn't even express anger. He simply pushed through the criticism and kept going. Kept going. Has God inspired you to do something great for yourself or for others? You'll have to push 
through the criticism. All right? I remember uh, there's, a, there's a Marine named Tim Lee. Some of you heard of him. We know him very well. Um, he lost both legs in Vietnam. Okay, he stepped on a landmine. It was like 30 days before he was supposed to come off the field, actually. And he blew his legs off. Okay, he's had multiple surgeries. Incredible testimony. He's a, an amazing evangelist. He's been doing it for, he's 70 years old. He's been doing it for 40, 50 years now, right? Long, long time. But anyway, when he first said he was going to go into the ministry, family was saying, you can't do this. You should not do this. You blew your legs off. You, the, the hardships will be too difficult. He didn't listen. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been uh, brought to the Savior as a result of him not listening to his family. Okay? Because he had a call, he had a mission from his father. And that was the voice he had to listen to. Okay? You're going to have to push through the criticism. Just remember who you're talking to. It's your family, right? Uh, and try to respond with Christ-like love. Don't lash out at your family, okay? So that was the first giant that he had to face. The second one uh, was very similar, but nothing compared to what's coming. Nothing compared to what's coming. The next giant that tried to keep David from doing God's will also came from an unexpected source, his authority. I want to be careful here because we are trained from an early age to respect and obey authority, and I think we should. Okay, we teach our children to do that. We expect it uh, from uh, employees, if you will. And we, we're told, as good Christians, we should obey authority and, and respect authority. We should do that. But authority is not always right. Okay, that's just a fact. And we need great discernment when considering what they advise us to do. Saul, in verses 32 and 33, he said, you can't do it. And when David said, hey, let no man's heart fail because of the way, because of him. Thy servant will go fight with this Philistine. And he says, you can't, you, you're not able to fight with this guy. You can't do it. Okay? You are a youth. You're just a boy. And he's been a warrior from his youth. Listen, nobody could doubt David's courage. Because it was totally on display. He caused a stir that day in the camp, I'll guarantee you. But no one there apparently saw him kill a bear and a lion as he professed, right? And certainly no one could envision him taking out a giant seasoned war champion, as the scriptures call him, like Goliath. So we'll forgive Saul for doubting, but he did question nonetheless. And again, David responded with respect, but with determination. Okay, verse 37. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. What's he going to say? What could he reply? Not a single man in uniform was willing to fight. None of his men were willing to fight. And Goliath had been standing there. The Bible says he'd been, been challenging him for 40 days. They're going to fight. And Goliath walks out and says, who wants to take me on? If you kill me, we'll serve you. Nobody. For 40 days. Is there not a cause? For sure. At least here was a man of courage and determination, even if he was a youth. So he let him go. That was a big obstacle. And Saul could have insisted that David go home, and no one would have criticized Saul for that decision. Matter of fact, if David went out there and got killed by Goliath, Saul would have gotten a lot of criticism. You let a little child go out there against a, 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 a giant war veteran? You're foolish. So he was risking his own reputation on that. But David pushed through and persevered. 
So first, his family didn't appreciate or believe in him, and neither did his authority. But those obstacles were nothing compared to the biggest obstacle of all. His family said, go home. You're prideful. you got a naughty heart. His authority said, you can't do it. You can't even wear the armor. It's too big for you. you can't even, you're not even proving. You can't do this. I can do it. All right, go. And now he has leave to face the giants. He's free to face him. Consider this, brethren. If David had met the expectations of those around him, he would have never confronted Goliath. Right? If he had listened to the criticism and the chatter and stopped short, went home with his tail between his legs, he would have been just like everyone else there. Just like everybody else in this world that doesn't want to achieve. Everyone wants the status quo. And as soon as someone upsets the apple cart and says, I can do all things, people go, I don't like that guy. You know why they do that? Because they're not doing it. And you are a reproach to them. So what? Go do it anyway. If David had listened to the chatter and the criticism, he'd have left and we wouldn't have this story and they wouldn't have gotten a victory. Thankfully, he didn't. But now we're going to see if he means business, right? Or if he's all talk. It's one thing to say you'll do something. It's another thing to actually do it, right? Talk is cheap, as we've all all heard. And in the grown-up world, life pays you for results. Not talking or even trying. Life pays you for results. It pays you for doing But this giant is unlike the others. He's not family. He's not a leader who might care about you. He is dedicated to your total destruction. Who is this giant? You you know. You already know who this giant is. You look at him every morning in your mirror. That's exactly right. You are your biggest obstacle. (laughs) Told you someone weren't going to like this message. You are your biggest obstacle. This giant lives inside your head. And you know it. And every single day he tells you to not even challenge him. That he will do everything to guarantee failure. And you've listened to him and the results have been predictable. You've underachieved. You've not reached your goals or your dreams. And it's mainly your fault. That's tough love. I know. It's your fault. Because you've let that giant stand there for years and tell you that you're worthless, that you'll never do it, you can't accomplish anything, and you've listened to him. Objections from family and friends are external The objections from the biggest giant in our lives are internal. Internal. The battle is in your mind. But we have to deal with that giant, don't we? What about him? Are we just going to let him roam free in our heads? We all have them, guys. I'm, I'm just like you. I have my giants. And for years, they've knocked me down. And you get weary. You don't want to hear it anymore, but they keep yelling and telling you you're a failure. You can't do it. So what do you do? How do you defeat him? You can defeat him. The first way you have to handle him is by your approach. 
your approach, okay? <clears throat> he is not like the other obstacles in which you might show a measure of respect or restraint, like your family or authorities. This giant is not that way. This giant does not have your best interest in mind. His aim is to destroy you, so your approach to him must be vicious and, se- and severe. Vicious and severe, just like David, you must tell him that you defy him in the name of your God. No more. You need to set the standard. No more am I going to listen to you in my head. Tell me I'm a failure. No more. You're drawing the the line in the sand, if you will, in your mind. You know, it's interesting to note that David cut off Goliath's head. That's pretty severe, you know, right? He severed that part of the body that houses the mind. <laughs> That's significant because the mind is where the most trouble is, where the greatest battle is fought. It is there that we must be the most severe and merciless. David did not show the same restraint to Goliath that he showed to Saul and his brother. He said, I'm taking you out, and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds, and I'm going to cut your head off. It's pretty bold. So you must handle him by your approach. You must approach him without mercy. You must be determined to kill him. There is no other option. You must kill him. I told you, you have to go on a killing spree. Okay? The next way you must handle him is through belief. Belief. This is a hard one because so many of us don't have any belief in our own ability to overcome the giants in our lives. You've got to be dead honest with yourself today, folks. We've conditioned ourselves to failure through long years of discouragement. But if you're ever going to beat this giant, you're going to have to believe you can do it. You have to believe it, guys. David had no doubt about his ability to defeat Goliath. You must show that same tenacity and determination when looking at the person in your mirror. You've got to look and say, you're going down, buddy. And it's starting today. Mercy. No mercy whatsoever. Belief is so powerful. Belief is so powerful that in Matthew 13, 58, the Bible says, and he, speaking of Jesus, did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. What? What? The greatest human being who ever lived, God in the flesh, could not do something? That's exactly right. He couldn't do it because of their unbelief. It hindered God. You think you're going to beat the giants in your life if you don't believe you can? Impossible. You will not. You have to to believe. You have to believe you can. And yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You just quoted, I can do. I can do all things. You quoted it. You said it. Believe it. Why don't you believe it when God says you can? Why don't you believe it when the Bible says you can? You want to be a Bible believer, right? Nothing is impossible for those who believe. Very little is possible for those who don't. 
Your belief is the pathway to success or failure. What you think about, you bring about. Let me say that again. What you think about, you bring about. Let your belief swell to the level of God's faithfulness and watch what happens in your life. Just watch. The next step is to commit to the fight, and it will be a fight. Okay? Goliath was serious. He was serious. You've let this giant possess ground in your head. He's not giving it up without a fight. Fine. Then fight. Fight him. Go fight. You've given in for so long and let him scream at you from the hillside and you sat in the grass trembling. Stop. Fight him. Where have you failed? Go after him. Inaction is the death of your dreams. Inaction is the death of your dreams. You must move. It's easy to sit on the hillside like the Israelite army and do nothing. It's easy, albeit immensely frustrating, to listen to the giants in your head call you a coward all day long. The hard thing is to fight, but that is where victory is found, and it's not found anywhere else. It's fight or die. It's fight or fail. Are you going to continue to fail? Because it's your fault you're failing. It's not God's fault. It's not somebody else's fault. Very few of the circumstances that have happened in your life have caused you not to achieve. Okay? It's your response to those circumstances that have taken you out, and your response is yours. You own it. I know this is hard, but you've got to own this because you'll never achieve if you don't. Once you commit to the fight, then you need to skill up. Skill up. You have to have a plan for victory. David didn't just enter into the battle with Goliath willy-nilly. He went down to the brook and selected five smooth stones. Defeating a giant will take focused effort and a plan. You don't really imagine that you're going to be able to connect, uh, to contend with the monsters in your mind without changing, do you? I mean, you, you, you can't just expect to stay the same and beat the ones that you've never beaten. You can't do that. You're fooling yourself. You need to better yourself to fight. David didn't accept the armor offered him, but learning to be an expert in slinging stones helped him. Okay? He would have never taken on Goliath on hope alone. Did you catch that? He would have never taken on Goliath with hope alone. Well, I hope I can beat him. You're dead. I hope I can beat that giant that's had control over me in my life and I haven't been able to achieve this goal or dream. I hope I can beat him. You won't. You will not. For David, it was not a hope so. It was a no so. Okay? It'd be very foolish to go in with just hope. You need to be prepared. You need to strengthen your mind. So skill up. Skill up. Read some books that relate to the giants you're facing and improve your tactics in dealing with them. Get in your Bible every day and pray every day to get strength you need to fight. Be willing to hold yourself accountable to those who love you and who are willing to help you in your battle. Start forming habits today. Don't wait. Why do people, well, on Monday I'll start that diet. Start today. Why are you going to wait for Monday so the giant can speak to your head for more hours? Set the line in the sand right now and say, now, it's on. Today, I'm done with you. 
Start forming those habits today that bring constant positive results in your life because habits directed equal goals achieved. Habits directed equal goals achieved. Getting better is possible at any age or condition. I'm too old and infirmed. No, you're not. Your mind is fine. You can get better in your mind. I don't care what condition of life you're in. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your limitations are. You can get better. Yes, you can. And if you don't believe you can, it's your fault. Because as we get better, things get better, right? As we get better, as we skill up, this is an amazing thing. Get better. Skill up in your life in a certain area and watch what happens. You're going to get better. Imagine that. I was thinking this morning on this, right before I came up, and I'm, I was thinking when I first came here, Pastor Howell, God bless you, brother, if you're listening, he, he wanted me to uh, jump right in, right? Just jump in. And one of the things he wanted me to do was do the announcements. Pretty quickly. And I was like, you know, no. <laughs> Why? Because I'm afraid to stand in front of people and give a... No. My fear was, I'm going to read on the, on the bulletin, well, there's going to be a cookie party tonight at Ruth Wanless's house, and I don't know who Ruth is. I know her now, okay? But I didn't know Ruth then. I don't know. And I'm going to read a name in the bulletin, and I'm going to go... <gasps> Who, I don't even know who this person is I'm mentioning, okay? I'm going to look like a buffoon. I told him, I will know when I'm ready and I'll let you know. And before long, I was fine. And now, now I used to highlight my bulletin to death because I was afraid to miss an announcement. Now I don't even have highlights. I, you, know, you know what I did? I skilled up. I've just gotten used to it. Way back when, if he was going on vacation and he left the service to me, <laughs> you know, well, I don't care now. I mean, I care, but I'm comfortable. Why? Because I've done it. Skilled up, you get better. When you get better, things get better. Right? Common sense. When you get better, things get better. But getting better is a campaign, not a one-time thing. It is an hourly, daily, weekly fight, and it will never be over until you pillow your head in the grave. But if you take up the campaign with every ounce of your being, you will accomplish things you never thought were imaginable. Next, you need to learn to expect victory. Expect victory. You have the God of heaven on your side. Victory is sure if you fight by the rules. So many of you have allowed this giant to live in your head, and he's constantly harassing you. The opposition of family and friends is nothing compared to this one. He berates you into submission so often that you have no strength to fight back. But you must not listen to him. You need to start telling the giants in your life what David said to Goliath. I will smite thee. I will smite thee. Not I'll try. Okay? I will defeat you. I will accomplish great things in the name of God. And you won't stop me. Well, as soon as you do that, you know what's going to happen? They're not going to lay down. Those giants aren't going to lay down. It'll never work. He'll whisper to you. It's not going to work. Do it anyway. What do you have to lose? You've been failing all these years. Do it anyway. You'll always fail, he mocks. Get up, try again. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. Get up. It will hurt. So what? Push through. But the pain, push through. You're fighting all alone, he says. No one's with you. No one's on your side. Lies. Lies. David fought alone, but he wasn't alone. God was with him. God's with you. Listen. A negative mind will not create a positive life. A negative mind will not create a positive life. 
And constant negative thinking about yourself is never going to aid you in reaching your goals and dreams. There is nothing, listen to this please, there is nothing spiritual about living in a state of depression and walking around with a sad countenance. Woe is me. There's nothing spiritual about that, brethren. You know that, right? Some people are just, they they frown all the time. They think that that's pious. It's not. You're just sad all the time. And you're an energy taker, not an energy giver. No one wants to be around people like that, okay? You don't have to stay there. God does not want you to to exist in that condition. It's really hard to rejoice in the Lord always when you're always depressed. How can you do that? How can you obey that scripture? It's not God's will for you, but you must choose to come out of it. God's not doing it for you. He's not doing it for you. You choose. He told us to rejoice in him always. Stop saying, I'll try, and start saying, I will. Well, I'll try to lose that weight. I'll try to start eating better. I'll try to exercise. Stop saying that. You will not do it. You will not. I'll try leaves wiggle room for failure. I will leaves none. I try breeds excuses. Do you really think that David would have beaten Goliath if he looked at him and said, I will try to beat you? (laughs) Wasn't happening. I'm going to try real hard to beat you. The giant mocked him as it was. If David had even a little self-doubt like many of you have with your giants, he would have failed just like many of you have failed. I will seize excuses as the lies they are, ignores them, and pays the price for victory. Learn to expect that. And it will come. Finally, enjoy the spoils of victory. And yes, it will come. If you do it right, if you do what I said, you will get victory. After David killed Goliath, all the women of the city started singing songs about him. Remember, Saul was jealous. Well, Saul has slain his his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul's like, "Eh, might as well just give him the whole kingdom. That came after the victory of Goliath. That first victory in war was the foundation for many more victories that led up to him. Listen, listen, being king, became king, king. It led him to being king. You don't just have the ability to slay the giants in your life. You have the ability to become royalty. You are royalty, by the way, if you're a child of God. Live like it. Stop living defeated lives, brethren. Live like it. I'm going to give you a couple personal testimonies and I'll be done. Many of you don't know what I'm going to tell you. But for the last four months, a little little longer, I've had a second job. Uh, When COVID hit, Pastor Howell called me in his office three consecutive weeks and he said, listen, if the offerings fall off, we might have to get jobs. Week one, okay. Full of faith, they're not going to fall off. Week two, all right. Week three, Okay, what are you saying here? Okay. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I have 12 mouths to feed. I'm not waiting for the hammer to fall, buddy. All right? Forgive me if I didn't have, have uh, enough faith to believe. And by the way, you guys did great. The, the offerings fell off only because we didn't have a means for you to pay. But listen, the bottom line is no offerings, no paycheck. Okay? That's the bottom line. And I understand it. Okay, fine. I'll go. I got to feed my family. So I didn't want to go work at like Chick-fil-A because five of my kids are there and some are managers and that would have been awkward. Okay. 
They would have been like licking their chops. Oh, yeah, come on, we're here, man. Go do that, Dad. Go do that. Go clean that toilet. No way. I didn't want to deliver pizzas or flip burgers or even work at Chick-fil-A for 10 bucks an hour. That wasn't going to meet the need, right? And uh, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be away from the family more. That wasn't the solution. So I was just kind of prayerful. I saw an ad on Facebook from my cousin about working at home part-time, earning you know, a pretty decent amount of money, up to maybe you know, a couple thousand a month. And, uh, and I had hoped, I knew that the paycheck here wasn't going to cut, cut off completely, but it could have been you know, shortened or something. Who knows? I didn't know. right? I got to prepare. We prepare and let God work. So I, uh, I answered the, the ad from my, my cousin. I said, what's this all about? She put me in touch with her brother, my other cousin, Matt Harper. And Matt said, it's, it's for a company called Primerica. Okay, I have no idea who that is. Okay. So I started researching. Wow, okay, Primerica seems to be a pretty good company. Uh, I went out and read, you know, read the good, the bad, the ugly. I didn't see any ugly, but everybody has criticism, right? There are going to be negative reviews. If Jesus, the perfect man... Uh, you know, the greatest man who ever lived, lived a perfect life, and he had critics, you're probably going to have critics, okay? Because uh, that's the standard, right? And he had critics. And so I, I read those, the negative reviews. I gave them to my cousin. What about this? He answered them satisfactorily. And everything I read about the company seemed really good. The founder was a Christian. Many of you have heard of, have heard of Dave Ramsey, okay, the, the financial guru. The founder of Primerica, Art Williams, led Dave Ramsey to Christ. Dave Ramsey worked for Primerica for eight months before becoming the famous Dave Ramsey that we know. Okay, everybody knows. And so when you see Dave Ramsey and his principles, you're actually looking at Primerica. And I'm like, well, that's encouraging because I know that Dave's principles are biblical. So that was encouraging. So I decided to join. I jumped on board. Primerica is a Fortune 1000 financial firm. They're publicly traded. Uh, it's a big deal. $2.2 billion in revenues last year. It's a big company. Been around 43 years since 1977. And right out of the gate, it was a positive experience. And I mean really positive. No judgment. All encouragement and affirmation. You can do this and you're going to be great. And, and, and it was just all positive. And you know what? You might not believe this, but the man you're looking at does struggle with self-doubt and believing in himself. A lot. And I began to really respond to that positive environment and really start to believe, you know, I, I think I can do great things here. I think I, can, I, think I can, can achieve here. I don't think I would have said that before coming on board, but I, they're making me believe I can do a lot of great things. So I started building a team. And in four months, my team is around 60 people already. And I've been promoted four times. <laughs> I was the fastest one in, in their whole base shop, the district. It took me 16 days to get to the district level. Two promotions. And they would praise. And they would say, you're doing great. Keep going. You're doing awesome. And you're doing it for God's glory because all the chatter is about God and glorifying him. And it's a tremendous group. And I'm like, wow, this is, I love this. But there was one thing I had to do to achieve. In order to make any money in any state in the United States of America, any commissions, one of the products we have is life insurance. Okay? In order to make life insurance commissions in America, in any state, you have to have a license. Not a license from Primerica, a state license. So Primerica pays for all licensing 100%, but i got to take the test. All right, I'm 53 years old. It's been a while since I've been in school. Okay. And studying life insurance may be your thing, but it's certainly not my thing. Okay. I don't care about whole life, universal life, variable life, and term life. I don't care about any of that stuff. Okay. I know I have a term policy. I'm good to go. 
But now, if I want to succeed in this company, I'm going to have to learn, not only learn about life insurance, I've got to get a state test. i got a, a state a license. I've got to take an exam to get a state license. So I started studying. And listen, that was a giant. I'm studying, Lord, I... Oh, God, help me. And, and up in the top of the screen where the study materials are, they, have, they keep track of the time. And mine said 55 hours I put in studying the thing. And I did outside study, too. So I had like 60 hours put in. Half the people who take the state exam in Wisconsin fail. Well, that's a big giant chattering in my head. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. And I wa- listen, I'm just being transparent. I'd walk in the bathroom. I'd look in the mirror. And I'd go, you're passing the test. You are passing the test. And i walk out. <laughs> And then as I'm walking, I'm like, am I nuts or something? Am I going crazy? I just talk to myself in the mirror. No, it worked. You're passing, you're passing, you're passing. I went to Abigail once. I can't do it. I can't, I can't pass. And she, you know, just one time, she's like, oh, you can, you can. You I mean, it's hard. It was not, listen, it's hard on purpose. They don't want dummies taking the test and passing it and selling insurance, okay? You got to be smart. And I'm 53, and I hadn't studied like that in a long time. And I was like, Lord, I, I need this test. I need to pass this. I need to slay this giant in my life. I needed it. God, help me. You need a 70 to pass. I took the exam. You don't find out your results right away. You have to go home and look for an email. <laughs> what? 105 questions? Multiple choice? I got to go home and find out if I passed. I open email with a wincing. I'm open, click, looking. Got to have a 70 to pass. Half the people fail. Oh, no, no, no. I got a 90. <laughs> My trainer said, You studied too hard. You only needed a 70. <laughs> Woo! I passed and got past that giant. I'm licensed for life insurance in the state of Wisconsin. Woo! Most people are like, who cares? Oh, go do it. Okay? It was a big deal. It was a big deal. And when you beat one giant, you can beat other giants. Listen. At the beginning of the year, I stopped drinking soda because that was a giant in my life. I liked it. I like Coke. It's the best, of course. Parker knows that. But I, 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 I stopped drinking it completely. I thought, how long can I go? Well, I want one month. Well, maybe I can go two months, three months, four months. Now I'm four months in, five months in. I'm like... Well, I can't do it now because that would ruin it, you know. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I, guys, I have not had a drop of soda in 2020, not a drop. That's, that, that's unheard of for me. But here's what I thought would happen because this would have happened when I was 35. If I didn't drink any soda for the year, all the pounds would just whoo, run right off me like water. Well, guess what? <laughs> I didn't lose a single pound <laughs> from taking all that sugar out of my diet. I didn't lose a single pound. Step on the scale, 240-something. Finally, after, do, after going through Primerica, seeing what I could do, and God helping me have the courage to face those giants and to believe in myself, I took a piece of paper on May 13th, and I wrote on it. I put the weight, my weight that day, 244, okay? And it was not going down. And I, and I, and I, I put little tabs on it, 230, 220, tear-off tabs when I could reach it. And on the side, I wrote... Pay the price. May 13th, 244 pounds. Today I stepped on the scale, 221. Okay? I have lost 23 pounds in just over three months. Ask me later how I did it and I'll tell you. I haven't been running marathons, folks, okay? Most of it is diet. But I have lost 23 pounds in three months. 
My goal is 215. That was my goal. On the paper, I wrote 215 by January 1st, 2021. I'm six pounds from there. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to try to lose those six pounds. I will lose those six pounds. But you know when I said that? You know when I said I was going to be 215 pounds by 121? I said it when I was 244. Easy to say it now, six pounds, okay? Just don't eat for two days, I'll be there, okay? Matter of fact, yesterday I was 220, okay? I ate too much yesterday on the way to Chicago to pick the kids up. But, but listen, it's easy to say it when you only have six pounds to lose. Yeah, of course I'm going to get there with four and a half months to go. It was not so easy when it was 244 pounds. I thought a 29-pound goal was a pretty good one by the end of the year. But I am here now because I said it then, and I kept believing when it was 244 and 234 and 224. I won't stop at 215. My ultimate goal is 200. If I blow away in the wind, I'll put some more on. (laughs) The point is, the point is, if I can do it, you can do it. For years, you've cowered at the tyranny of the giants inside your head. And for years, you've underachieved. Why don't you just determine to whip one? Just pick one and go after it. And watch what happens. If you do that and then tell me that you're prideful, arrogant, and unspiritual, fine. Go back to your former self. But I have a feeling you're going to enjoy the fresher air and the new realm that you've climbed to. I know I have. Do you know funny things happen when you lose all that weight? Imagine carrying around 23 pounds all day long. Okay? My knees don't hurt like they used to. I, I have the kids pick up stuff off the floor because I don't want to bend over and pick it up. It hurts. It doesn't hurt anymore. Whoa, imagine that. I was just too fat. And it was my fault. It was anybody else's fault for being overweight? Me. And when I accepted that, bye, the weight was gone. I'm almost done. Last page. It'll just be a matter of time before you climb higher. If you can just whip that one giant, you'll see. Because with every new victory comes a new challenge, and that's okay. That's what life is made up of. You get to a new level, new challenge. New level, new challenge. Before long, man, you're flexing in the mirror because you lost all that weight. Okay, standing on the tail going, yeah, man, you're going down, literally. (laughs) Mr. Fat Guy, you're going down! Because I can do all things. I can lose weight. Yes, I can. Even though for years I tried and I couldn't, 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 couldn't. Wasn't working. Thought the soda would be my little... It didn't work. (laughs) Now what? Go lose it! So I did. I can only speak for myself, but I'll tell you this. I'm not going back to my former life. Those giants are dead and I have no intention of resurrecting them. Are you ready to dream again? What are you waiting for? Nobody is going to slay those giants for you. Go on a killing spree and make those dreams a reality. You were born to impact your generation. Go set the example by showing people how to defeat those giants of their minds and achieve great things. I want to close with three verses and I'm done. All right? Listen, if you think this is unbiblical, you know, self-help and promoting, listen. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. You do it. Whatever you put your hand to, use the might that God gave you, and you go do the job. That's what it says, just reading the scriptures. Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You work it out. You do it. Stop making excuses. 
Okay? If you're not where you want to be in life right now, it's your fault. It's your fault. You can change it. Go fix it. Psalm 81.10. Listen. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Oh, you open it. Step out on faith. Believe that God gave you the power to do whatever you want to do. And watch him work. That doesn't mean you can go crazy. I tell my kids, and, and whoever's going to do the, the, the ultra call can come. Um, I tell my kids, listen, I want to inspire them to do great things. I want to inspire you to do great things. I'll say to them, do whatever you want. Just stay within one boundary. That's all the scriptures. You have to stay within that boundary because that's the owner's manual. It's how you were made and designed. Don't go outside that boundary. It'll all fall apart. But within that boundary is very broad, much broader than we are. Just, just, just to throw that out, okay? Much broader than any denomination. Stay within the confines of God's word and you're going to be fine. You can do anything. Oh, we need to believe that again, brethren. We need to be, believe that we can do whatever we want to do. With the strength of God, because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let's stand for prayer, please. I know I went long today. You can probably tell I'm a little passionate about this. You know why? Because I'm seeing some results. <laughs> for years, just like you, for years, I fail, can't do it. I can't, and, and you start seeing people who are accomplishing. And I don't even know who that guy is, but he's, he's doing all these different things in the world. And he's accomplishing great things. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. He's a nobody. I don't know who he is. Never knew that guy. Look what he's doing. Well, why can't I? I can. So can you. So can you. The altar's open if you want to take advantage of it. If you want to pray in your seat, do that. Do business with the Lord, however he's speaking to you. And if no one comes, we'll have one verse and then we'll pray. Go ahead, Abigail. Higher ground. Good, good song. Take your hymn books. We're going to sing a verse of that. We need to do that. All right, 447 in your hymn books. We'll sing the first verse, all right? 447, then we'll pray. Great song. Take me to higher ground. Come on, guys. Let's go to the mountaintop together, amen. Woo! Get excited. Your God is great. Here we go, first verse. Here we go. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. can go higher. You can go higher. Because I can do all things through Christ which will give you strength. He'll give you strength and you can do it. Lord, we thank you for your word today. 
It is powerful, Lord. Thank you for these promises. This can revive our spirits, Lord. So many of us have lived in lethargy and depression for so many years. Encourage the brethren today. They can come out of it. They can rise up and do great things and impact this generation for Christ and for their own families, Lord, and for themselves. Give victories beginning today. Beginning today. May you be glorified in all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you are dismissed.